So you just want to give it a give it a whirl, see how it goes. Sure, let's do it. Okay, cool. All right. So, hello, welcome to the first ever podcast edition of All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host Tim Hackman, and I'm your co-host Rich Sigwald. We're the WrestleMania guys, and we're here to explore the history, the pageantry, and the insanity of the biggest annual event in all professional wrestling. We've started with the first WrestleMania all the way back in 1985, and we're going to keep watching and reviewing until we tackle every last one of them. So thanks for tagging in. Hit that theme music, Rich. So welcome to the very first uh, ever All the WrestleManias podcast. We're uh, super excited to start the show. If you've been following our blog at allthewrestlemanias.wordpress.com, you know, we started it in the fall of 2020 as a way to pass the time during the COVID-19 pandemic. We've been watching and reviewing every WrestleMania from the beginning. In this episode, we're reviewing WrestleMania X7, aka WrestleMania 17, which is not at all how Roman numerals work, but um, who are we to judge? Uh, this one has the worst logo, by the way. The X7 is absolutely horrible. It literally, they spell out the word seven in it. So it's yeah, X that's... hyphen seven. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the Romans uh, would be would be kind of pissed about that. Yeah. Uh, as much as they loved wrestling, obviously. Um, so since this is our very first episode, we want to tell you a little bit about how, about the structure we'll be following each time. Uh, we'll start out with some basic info on the WrestleMania that we're watching, the date, the venue, the attendance, the runtime, the basics, uh, and a little bit about the history and context. Uh, from there, we'll get into the content of the show itself. We'll talk about each of the matches, talk about some things that we loved or hated, some things we found weird or funny, sometimes just plain disturbing some of our favorite uh, performers over the years. When we get to the last match, we'll run down our uh, superlatives for that WrestleMania. So some of them the best and worst, maybe the most exciting, what we call our oh shit moments, uh, fun signs we saw along the way, uh, and, then, and then just sort of wrap up, give this WrestleMania an overall rating. So without further ado, let's uh, let's get into WrestleMania X7. This was held on April 1st, 2001 at the Reliant Astrodome in Houston, Texas, had an attendance of 67,925, which apparently was a record at the time. A little over a million pay-per-view buys. And the tagline for this one was, Houston, we have a problem. So again, I just want to point out this came out in 2001. The movie Apollo 13, which sort of popularized uh, Houston, we have a problem, came out in 1995. So Rich, did you, did you think uh, WWF just started planning for a Houston event um, when Apollo 13 came out just so they could use that? Or uh, Most likely. They probably booked it uh, around that time, but as we know in the past, they've always been a few years behind. What was it like three years after the OJ trial that they decided to do that? Uh, that OJ footage, uh, saying that it was gold dust running from yeah, Roddy Piper, from Roddy so Piper, yeah, that, always, uh, always relevant, always with their uh, with their finger on the on the pulse, you know, like cutting edge. Um, the runtime on this one is a whopping three hours and 45 minutes, which is our longest WrestleMania to date. And we thought we had seen some long ones. Uh, number five is three hours and 38 minutes. That's the one that has a Savage versus Hogan main event. Uh, and that one felt long. This one, I'd say, definitely feels full three hour and 45 minute length. And, um, you know, of course, if you watch WrestleMania these days, it's, uh, you know, split over two nights. And the damn thing takes as long as, uh, I don't know, a marathon of the Lord of the Rings movies. So. 
And then finally, the announcers for this one are, uh, are Paul Heyman, you know, formerly Paulie Dangerously, and good old JR, Jim Ross, on the announcing duties. Uh, this is Paulie's first WrestleMania, and he's, he's all hyped up. Uh, I'm not all that hyped up because that means he's bringing his ECW nonsense to the, uh, to the WWF, um, and we'll get into a little bit of that. So anything else you want to talk about in the background and the uh, uh, yes. basics of this one? Yeah, so the show kicks off with a heartwarming montage that actually <laughs> says WrestleMania, a celebration of life. Don't they? Um, um, does, don't don't some people call uh, funerals a celebration of life? You know, instead of calling it a funeral, like uh, so, are they saying this? Yeah, is, they're, they're yeah. burying WrestleMania here. I don't know. Uh, possibly, uh, <clears throat> maybe they thought this was their last one. That this was going to be yeah. it. I also. You mentioned Paul Heyman is on commentary here, and he was kind of a last-minute call-in because Lawler quit the WWF. He quit because his uh, wife was fired, uh, the cat. Um, oh, cat. Yeah, of course. He, she had been fired, and Lawler didn't like it. And to stand up with her and show solidarity, he walked out. I guess, you know, good for him. You got to stand by your uh, your spouse, you know? Yeah, like um, I think that's his fourth wife at the time. But yeah, you got to stand with your stand with your spouse. Was one of them, you know, right, one of yeah. the lives. You got to pick one. <laughs> Good to know. So, and yeah. of course, Cat, we saw last uh, last WrestleMania in some sort of uh, over the top uh, TNA match with, with yeah, Terry Reynolds. Some sort Terry of like two person battle royal, whichever one gets thrown out of the ring first. And like right. May Young and like the fabulous Moolah were in their corners, and it was just horrendous. Uh, Val Venus was the referee, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Noted sex symbol, Val Yes. Venus. Yes. So what else do we know about this one? You had mentioned uh, some of the background already of uh, Paul Heyman showing up with ECW. And um, so ECW had just declared bankruptcy at this time. And their last pay-per-view had just aired back in January before this. And it's a uh, big talent started pouring into the WWF in droves. Rob Van Dam, Taz, the Dudleys, and uh, Paul Heyman, a.k.a. Paulie Dangerously, Mm -hmm. um, they all started showing up in WWF. Um, and then just a week before this WrestleMania, uh, WCW was purchased by WWF. It was interesting because WCW programming was actually about to be canceled by the Turner Networks as they had a new president and such. It didn't feel that it, uh, wrestling fit in with their vision statement, um, which is interesting because, I mean, NWA and World Class Championship Wrestling and WCW have been airing on TBS for a very long time. Yeah, they've um, been a, a mainstay of their programming for for a decade, two decades probably at right. that point. And uh, Nitro, I believe, was their uh, highest rated uh, programming, and their hmm. Thursday Night Thunder was like their second one. So, but I guess that's not their vision. Um, <laughs> and many fans, myself included, really wanted to see an invasion happen at WrestleMania 17. Maybe even the NWO show up. Um, but what we didn't understand uh, was that many of the WCW contracts, uh, their talent didn't come with the WCW deal. Um, Hall, Nash, Sting, Flair, Hogan, all of their contracts were with Time Warner and not WCW. So they could just sit at home and write out their contracts. And most of them had one or two years left. And so they just sat at home and wrote out their contracts without having to take any bumps and get all that big Ted Turner money. Wow. Um, and that's, that's pretty good. Pretty sweet deal. Yeah. So if you want, we can get into the storylines of going yeah, into this sure. WrestleMania. Sure. Yeah, I know. I'm glad that we have a, a little bit of a break yet before we have to deal with the uh, 
sort of sort of famously botched uh, invasion angle yeah. um, between the WCW and, and WWF. Yeah, Austin, so set, set us up with the storylines here. Yeah, so Stone Cold Steve Austin gets a title shot against The Rock because he won the Royal Rumble back in January, um, despite a vicious assault happening in the middle of the Battle Royal against him. Um, he entered at number 27 and was the first wrestler to win the big match three times. I've watched all, all three of those Royal Rumbles in a row um, to see his big turns in those in those final matches. He, he's he's always one of my favorites. Um, yeah, he's really built for the Royal Rumble, in my opinion, because he's always yeah. great at showing the story in the ring that he's desperate and fighting for survival and willing to do anything at any cost to get over and get by and get through his opponents. So putting him in a battle royal is just a uh, chef's kiss. <laughs> The Hardys, Edge, and Christian, and the Dudleys, they just seem to hate each other and want to do crazy shit to each other. Um, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit are feuding over wrestling and submission prowess, and the oh, right yes. to censor is annoying the shit out of everyone now, and they took all the fun out of The Godfather and Val Venus. I have yeah. some thoughts about uh, right to censor. We'll... Yeah, we'll get to them a little later. Uh, yeah. The biggest storyline really is right before Vince could proudly announce his victory over WCW uh, at the previous Monday Night Raw. Uh, Shane, his son, shows up in the ring at Nitro during the simulcast to reveal that he swept in and bought WCW before his daddy could make the deal. <laughs> um, in bigger picture, this WrestleMania is known as the end of the Attitude Era. And that makes sense, as even on this card, the uh, names of the next era are sitting in the undercard, uh, including Triple H, Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, Trish Stratus, Rob Van Dam, The Big Show, The Dudleys, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Edge and Christian, Hardys, JBL. You get the point. A yeah. bunch of the ruthless aggression era uh, <laughs> guys are showing up now. And We're con contractually obligated to say it that way, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, the ruthless aggression era. Um, <laughs> many people consider this WrestleMania to be the best one ever, including Stone Cold. This is Stone Cold's favorite, as he recently mentioned on his show. We will see if we uh, agree with the Texas Rattlesnake here. All right. Uh, this is the best WrestleMania ever. And you know I try not to disagree with the Texas Rattlesnake, but that's, uh, that's a pretty high bar. We've seen some really amazing WrestleManias uh, number Number 10 is, was one of our favorites we watched. That's the one, of course, that has the uh, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon ladder match. Oh, uh, yeah. Number uh, 13 with uh, with Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin with the uh, Austin getting uh, uh, passing out from uh, loss of blood and pain. In the, so you'll um, never give up. They'll never give up. That's the way Texas rattlesnakes are, man. So anyway, but yeah, so let's 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 get into it. Let's get into uh, WrestleMania X7. Um, so the next part of the show is where we kind of talk about the the card, talk about the matches. Um, Rich gave you a little bit of the the background. These are honestly just sort of more of a of a conversation again about things that we noticed, things that we liked, you know, particular um, you know moves or sequences or whatever that that really just caught our eye watching this. Um, so the very first one up is uh, William Regal versus Chris Jericho. It's an Intercontinental Championship match. I think it was a, a pretty solid introductory match for the card, honestly. It's a trip to see Jericho still skinny and golden-maned here. Um, if you watch much uh, AEW, um, 
he doesn't look like that anymore. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> that's very uh, kind of you. That's all. That's all. That's how I'm going to say it. Um, so it's great to see him, uh, you know, young and, and in shape and, um, you know, really working his ass off here. Uh, what'd you think, Rich? I thought this was probably one of the best kickoff matches that we've seen uh, yeah. in a WrestleMania, as, at least in a very long time. I thought it was also interesting that this WrestleMania kicks off with two former mainstays of WCW. I thought that was an interesting programming choice. I mean, William Regal and Jericho had both been in WWF here for probably about a year. Uh, they both saw the writing on the wall over at WCW. I've always been a big uh, Stephen Regal, William Regal fan. I've always enjoyed his like really old school approach and his British style of holds <laughs> and like yeah, he's the, great. the European uppercuts are always devastating looking. Um, I thought he, th- I always thought he threw a great punch and that he really sold well. And he looked like such an asshole all the time. <laughs> like there was no fixing his face. And like, he had that amazing, like stiff upper lip look to him. That yeah. was just is so great. It's sort of a constant sneer. I agree. Yeah. Regal is, is great. Um, he, you know, he recently just got released by the WWE. Uh, yeah, no, he he always hits hard. He looks amazing. He, he sells shit. Uh, I could honestly, I could watch him work all day. He's not one of those guys that like people think of a lot as you know one of the huge superstars. I don't think. I think he kind of gets um, overlooked sometimes. But in terms of like guys who always just sort of bring it in the ring, um, he's he's, yeah. up, he's right up there. And I thought it was so. interesting that WWF chose to open up WrestleMania 17 with him. Like, yeah, they're going to put him opening the pay-per-view, uh, their biggest pay-per-view of the year in front of nearly 70,000 people. Yeah. And um, and that's a lot of trust in him and then trust in Jericho, who's still relatively young, but is really getting into his prime here. Right. Well, yeah, because Y2, Y2J was in 2000, right? He was sort of right. playing off of Y2K with his big debut in Y2K. So this is 2001, as we as we mentioned. Uh, yeah, I also thought it was interesting to start off with the Intercontinental Championship, you know, almost as sort of a a, a throwaway, you know, a show starter. Um, you know, that's a it's an interesting change from the days when, you know, Macho Man or Bret Hart had that belt and uh, Intercontinental was, was a huge deal. The Intercontinental right. was sort of the... The smaller guys, you know, you, again, your Bret Hart's, um, you know, sort of uh, the the Rick Rude, um, you know, those again, those those real sort of like, almost um, even a Young Rock, the Young Rock yeah, was those technical rock. guys, right? Yeah, yeah. So this was a this was a decent match. So let's uh, let's let's keep it moving. Let's talk about the next match, which was a tag team match between Right to Censor, which is um, the Good Father, formerly known as the Godfather, formerly known as Charles Wright, formerly known as uh, Papa Shango, um, comma. So this is his fourth uh, different gimmick in in uh, WrestleMania that we've seen. Uh, anyway, right to center is is him, uh, Val Venus and Bull Buchanan with Stephen Richards versus Taz and the Acolyte Protection Agency, which is Farouk and Bradshaw with Jacqueline. Um, so, quick question: Who the fuck is Stephen Richards? Uh, I didn't I didn't remember him at all, honestly. Oh uh, right? yeah, so like he was like some uh, independent. Um guy for a long long time and he's um part of the blue world order i believe um uh, with the blue meanie and a couple other guys uh, so yeah okay for some reason he, he just i just had a giant blank spot in my memory when it when it came to him so yeah i mean he's one of those guys like barry horowitz kind of <laughs> like floated around never really got much but was entertaining 
yeah so what what did you think about this one anything you want to point out for the listeners um was taz even in the match at any point uh i i, I don't think anything it was very brief i don't know i don't think he ever got tagged in as legal man <laughs> or anything like that like and then this match just ended really quickly um yeah. along with right to censors annoying entrance I'm not oh going to call it music. It's because it's just a siren and a horn and like. And a beeping sound. Uh, so I have, I have to uh, mute my TV every time that comes on because the beeping makes my dog bark. Um, so I have to, when this, uh, when right sensor's coming out, I have to be real quick on the mute button there so he doesn't flip out. Farouk and Bradshaw, I think, you know, are amazing together as the APA. Um, they just, they looked awesome together. I, you know, Ron Simmons is just such a badass. He looks like he could deadlift a Volkswagen. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll never get tired of watching him um, mix it up in there. Uh, yeah, I think he could probably whoop the asses of like the entire current AEW roster, like in a real fight, not even in a wrestling. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if he actually ever wrestled it. I think it was all a fight to him. Just like <laughs> get in there and fight and he would just tear shit up. Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually think that uh, the APA is probably the best gimmick for both Bradshaw and Ron Simmons in their entire career. Yeah, I would um, agree. I was uh, glad that whoever was booking the show knew not to let it go very long. And it just basically, it ended with Bradshaw clotheslining Good Godfather. Father. Yeah, he puts not... Godfather out with the clothesline and pins yeah. it. And then that's it. Like it, like the camera is actually like following action outside of the ring. And then suddenly there's a clothesline and a pin. The match is over. Um, All right. So match number three was a hardcore championship match, which again, I sort of said at the top, I'm not a huge fan of I, I recognize that they have their their fans. Um, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. This one is Raven versus Kane versus The Big Show. So it's a three-way hardcore championship match in case it wasn't hardcore enough for you. What would you like to start with on this one? Raven gets introduced first as the champion, which is weird to me always. And he's yeah. wheeling out a, a, a grocery cart of crap because right. you know he needs to bring his weapons because... Basically, WWF at this point in these hardcore matches is trying to mimic their video games, um, <laughs> I think. And I think so. Raven comes rolling down to the ring. Then they introduce Kane and Kane and Raven go at it. And they're going at it so hard that JR points out that the match could end before the big show even <laughs> gets to the ring. Because, um, yeah. I mean, you're making the big show walk across the Astrodome. <laughs> and uh, I kind of wish that had happened with this match. Um, yeah, that would have been that would have been a break for everyone. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you caught it when uh, when Raven rolls his shopping cart down to the ring. One of the things he throws in is looks like a, a tree branch that he maybe just like grabbed off of <laughs> something in the parking lot. I'm like, what in the hell? Yeah, so I mean, so. there's there's some amazing things that happen in this match though. Um, there's uh, the Big Show totally failing at trying to operate a padlock. Yeah, <laughs> uh, to keep Kane locked inside of a cage. Right. Um, so that was amazing. Um, I, I think my favorite part was when uh, somebody got run over by a golf cart. That was that was yeah. top notch. You don't see enough of that these days. Um, that office space that they fought through was very much gimmicked. It was definitely built beforehand. There was nothing was to code. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there was no studs in the walls. It was just a drywall stapled up uh, somehow, held up by glue or something. Yeah. And uh, people were crashing through it. Uh, what uh, Raven gets thrown through through a glass window in there. At one point, someone gets put through a table covered in Snapple, and yeah. King screams, "There goes the Snapple!" <laughs> um, that I, was... I wrote that. I wrote that down in my notes too. That cracked me up. 
that was pretty uh, uh, spectacular. And what really killed me though was that this is the best they had for Kane at the time. Yeah, like it's really this is, a, this a is shame. It? You've got this guy who's an absolute monster. You've got this great you know mythology with him and his brother, the Undertaker. Um, and this is the best storyline you can you can come up for the with for the poor dude. Um, so yeah, so you know this match is is over. Uh, it lasted um, way too, too long. long. It almost uh, nine nine and a half minutes almost. Uh, I counted about they do about two and a half three minutes in the ring before they head out into the crowd uh, and uh, they get a handheld camera behind them that's like it's shaking all over the place. It's a little hard to follow kind of yeah i got a little nauseous during that part yeah um kane throws both of the opponents through some kind of random bullshit at the end to get the win and the hardcore championship match which i'm sure he cherished forever oh yeah um all right yeah that's enough of that um so right after that we get a little interlude uh out to the crowd with some poor fan who traveled 30 hours from brisbane australia to attend her first ever wwf event and she's forced to interact with jonathan coachman uh, it's just I hate it, Coach, so much. That's, that's unfortunate. Oh. So I th- uh, thoughts and prayers to her. So I'm glad and that she got to, you know. They also the US. kept uh, plugging away at the uh, the piece of real estate that Vince McMahon decided to re- invest in in Times Square of that WWF New York thing. Right. Um, that was, um, yeah, they kept trying to make that a thing. They tried to make that work. I, <laughs> I actually went there once. Oh, really? Um, I was on a uh, bus trip with the uh, band uh, company and the basketball team for UMBC uh, to the uh, division tournament. And we stopped. We had a day to go into New York. And I actually went into WWF New York and I bought an NWO hat. And oh, the, wow. rest, the rest of the trumpet section also bought NWO hats. Um, and that was uh, quite exciting and a bonding moment for all of us. And uh, <laughs> Later that night at the basketball game, I nearly got ejected for cursing at the ref. It was a no. good time. <laughs> well, you were taking that uh, taking that NWO attitude to heart, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, I had real anger issues back in the day when I was in the pep band. Um, yeah. Basketball referees really pissed me off all the time. <laughs> um, but that's for another podcast. All right, next match. Eddie Guerrero, one of the all-time greats, oh, uh, yeah. with Perry Saturn in his corner. Uh, versus Andrew Test Martin. This is the European Championship match. Uh, I think this is a this is a pretty good match. It's a solid match. Um, Test is huge compared to Eddie, and the the contrast between the two of them I thought was really cool. Um, Eddie just, God damn it, he just works so well. Like I just, uh, you know, he he's another one of those guys I could just watch work like all damn day. He's you know he's creative. He's athletic. He's he he sells the other guy's stuff. Um, you know he he gets his shit in, but he doesn't you know, force it. He's awesome. Oh, and he's well, a specimen of an athlete. Oh my God. Um, it's incredible. Um, what else, what else do you want to talk about for this one? Well, uh, I had some thoughts about this match. Um, I thought this match was really good. Um, this might've been the best match I've ever seen test in. Yeah. Um, I think test should have been the fake diesel, not Kane. <laughs> um, mainly because test is just a miniature diesel. He looks just like um, him build wise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you notice that Tess got trapped in the ropes hanging by a foot, that. and that there yeah. was that was definitely not intended um, when Eddie and the ref had to come over and help him get out. Yeah, um, that, was, reminded, that was definitely a botch. Yeah, it reminded me of when uh, Mick Foley uh, got caught in the ropes and lost his ear. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, that was a little, um, it was a little bit scary. I thought, oh man, you could really get hurt. Um, yeah, there's um, the other thing was that like Te- Eddie was really impressive doing like these acrobatics to yeah. help uh, test with the tilt a whirl like side slams and the tilt a whirl power bomb or whatever and like all that stuff that was like really making tests look good but it's really eddie doing all the work right there's a there's a spot where eddie uh takes a dive off the top and he, he just about misses it i thought for sure it looked like he was going to land on his neck uh that was a little scary too i was it was i think he sort of re- he recovered but it was pretty close to a botch um so the one the only thing that annoyed me about this match was sort of the constant interference from um perry saturn who looks like superstar billy graham scrotum uh, he keeps trying to interfere, yeah. and the re- the ref just ignores him, which burying the ref a little bit. Uh, and then Dean Malenko also interferes to interrupt a three count. Uh, and then, of course, while the ref is distracted with with Dean, Eddie uses the belt to knock out Test and get the win. And then, of course, he's the new European champion. Um, so, sort of the constant interference. You know, I, I yeah, I get it, but um, it it kind of kept them from getting some of the the flow and the chemistry um, that I think they probably could have had through the yeah, entire was- match what do they call it overbooking having those guys yeah. in, involved um yeah. i mean it's a waste of dean malenko and perry saturn in my opinion like how do you have those guys on your roster and not in a match um, yeah put them put them somewhere else in the show you know there so. there there was time there was time for them <laughs> in the show to have something so uh yeah so eddie comes out of that one the new european champion solid again solid match r.i.p eddie one of the one of the all-time greats, one of our favorites. All right, so this one I'm going to spoil a little bit and just go ahead and say this is my favorite match of of the show. Um, this is Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. I expect this expected this one to be good at the top. Both of these guys are great yeah. technicians and storytellers. They're in their prime here. Both of them just look like a fucking million dollars. They're you know they're they're raring to go. Kurt comes out cutting a promo on the state of Texas, which I love, giving it to him a little bit and near near the end of his little. Um, spiel. He says, by the way, people lose the freaking cowboy hats. I laughed and laughed. Yeah, the moment that showed this, the graphic of this was the next match, I was like, man, we're in for a treat. There's no <laughs> way this match is going to suck. Absolutely not. Unless like someone like falls and breaks their leg walking to the ring, this match yeah. is going to be incredible. So I'd, these guys um, start off sort of, sort of slow, kind of taking their time and letting it breathe. They're getting their Pops honestly for uh, things like chops and uh, and Benoit gives a really nice belly to belly suplex. People just pop for. Um, they get some you know shooting takedowns. There's some back and forth mat wrestling. You know, kind of almost old school stuff like you said, Rich. Yeah, um, I mean they're they're making this mm-hmm. look so real that I'm pretty like all the mat stuff that they're doing had to be a shoot. Yeah, and then they would improvise moves off of whoever came out on top or whatever. I felt that this match had a very much like a Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper kind of feel to it where yeah. they were trying to keep it technical and clean. And then one person loses their patience with it and starts throwing punches, you know, and it right. becomes a fight. <laughs> Bret versus uh, Owen was the other one I thought of here where the, you know, it really starts out like sort of going for the technical stuff. Right. And like, cause Bret doesn't want right. to hurt his brother. You know, he wants to, he wants to beat him with pure wrestling, you know, and, he, and that's the way these guys are working. And then, but as they go along and neither of them can get the job done with some of that technical stuff, then it just gets more and more brutal. It, Benoit gives uh, Angle a huge suplex off of the corner. The ref gets bumped. Maybe miss, he misses the tap out by Angle with the cross face. There's some reversals of stuff. Angle goes for his moonsault, but of course, Benoit gets the, the knees up. Yeah, um, it looked like Angle's chin 
yeah. went right on Benoit's knee. Like I, 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 I flinched a little bit when that happened. I was like, that, that, that looked bad. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I, I made a note about that too. I'm like, ah, yikes. So yeah, Benoit gets his flying headbutt off of the top rope, which was always kind of an impressive move. He looked like Superman. Um, the angle kicks out of that one, and it kicks yeah. out of the finisher. It's interesting Crazy. that Benoit and uh, Bam Bam Bigelow had the same finishing move. <laughs> well, because they were built so similarly. You know? Right, yeah. And then there was some kind of weird roll-up reversal. I don't know what you would even call that. And Angle grabs the tights for the dirty win. Yeah. Uh, Except for, is grabbing the tights really against the rules? We, yeah, you know, we, we and I have talked about that. I don't I don't know that we ever um, have we figured ever, it out. Have you ever seen a referee stop a pin count? Because he notices someone has a handful of tights. Never. Has anyone ever been disqualified? You know, JR can be screaming how it was such a dirty win by Angle after such a match and such. But until someone proves to me that grabbing the tights is actually cheating, like legit cheating, and not just taking advantage of the situation, I'm going to say Angle came out of this one clean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was was an intense uh, match. 14 minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, so it's, it's runs a little long, but it, and it felt like 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty Went damn near perfection. So we get another little interlude interlude. Um, Kamala uh, is backstage with William Regal um, and you know, sort of prepping for the uh, gimmick battle Royal, which is coming up. There's some, uh, there's some soldier sniffing uh, PR with the WWF and a pep yeah. rally and a parade and a meet and greet at Fort hood. I think I, I threw up a little bit of red, white and blue there. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed uh, Kamala's, uh, Kamala's uh, trashing of Regal's office. Um, <laughs> I assume that that was revenge for British colonialism across Africa. Oh, yeah. No, um, that's good. But I might be reading too much into that. I don't think WWF <laughs> got that high brow at that time period. I don't think they. I don't think that Vince read a whole lot of Friends Phenom. All right, so on to the women's championship match featuring Joni China, Lauer, and Ivory. There's another right to censor entrance music. Uh, so my dog is trying to flip out, had to mute the TV again. You know, my starting question is in what world would a contest between these two women be competitive? Uh, Ivory, I looked up, she's 5'5", five, five, 135. And China is at this point is about 5'10", and 200 pounds of, of granite muscle, honestly. Um, she's, she is uh, chiseled. She's, she's so ripped. She looks like a million bucks. She has a yeah. shiny purple bikini. She's got her bitchin' rocket launcher thing that she comes out with. She looked amazing. So, and Ivory, um, they start out, Ivory in the ring is, is looking all distressed because she clearly knows she's about to get her ass beat. Yeah. Ivory throws really bad punches. They yeah. were, they were, they were bad. It's not like China was throwing much better punches. Um, that you could tell that they weren't hitting. You can tell that there was no energy behind them. It was, yeah. it was bad. Um, I did arm, think there, arm there punches, was, we call those. Yeah. There was a there's some interesting things here with this match though. You don't see much in women's matches that China breaks up her own winning pin so that she can yeah. beat on Ivory some more. <laughs> um, you don't see that in women's matches very often, if ever. No. Um, and then it's also a squash match on WrestleMania. Yeah, those are very hard to come by um, and very yeah, rare. We've, we've seen a few over the years, right? Way back in uh, WrestleMania one, there's a uh, uh, there's one with um, King Kong Bundy, right? Right. Uh, um, and uh, Earthquake has a squash match in uh, in one WrestleMania when he was clearly on his on his big 
roll when they were setting yeah, him up as an unstoppable he was, like, monster. Rolling towards Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. There's there's not a ton of these. Um, but I think this is the first one that we've seen that was a squash match for a championship. Yeah, I think you're right. So that's that's actually just about my only thoughts on this match for like China beats the shit out of ivory for like a minute and a half. There's nothing much really to say about it. Two minutes and 38 seconds is the total. And that includes the, uh, like you said, the aborted pin where she pulls ivory shoulders up just so she can whoop on her some more. Uh, You know, the finisher is China picks up ivory and holds her above her head. Like, I don't know, like she's uh, made of balsa wood and just flat out drops her on the mat for the, uh, for the win. I feel like those two just could have like had brunch and signed a belt over like everybody. Everybody knew how that was going to go. You know? Yeah, Let's there was. Have some mimosas, talk it out, sign a paper. Yeah, they um, didn't even make it long enough, though, for people to like go buy a beer or go use the bathroom <laughs> or anything like either. Though, so. Yeah, I don't know that I could have even gotten to my own bathroom and back. In, uh, no, probably not. In home, at home here. Yeah. And at three hours, and 45 minutes, I was not pausing this thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to just have to roll. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, so congratulations to China, obviously, on women her winning her women's championship match. Moving on, it's time for the McMahon family uh, drama hour uh, with Shane McMahon with Linda in his corner versus Mr. McMahon with Stephanie McMahon in his corner and Trish Stratus. Um, this is uh, there's no title on the line. There's for some reason Linda McMahon is in a wheelchair and yes. like catatonic because uh, she can't handle the stress of her husband and her son fighting. God, um, and McMahon has a girlfriend, a new girlfriend in Trish Stratus who is right who kind of pushes Linda around in the wheelchair. And Stephanie, I'm just gonna yeah. call Ele- Electra. Uh, McMahon sort of aids and abets this for some reason because she wants to bone her father, I think. I, I yeah, I she's trying I to keep know. the affection of her dad. Um, yeah. I This is the second hardcore match of the night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish this had been something more silly, like a tuxedo match or something like that, yeah. because, I mean, neither one of these guys can really wrestle. No. Shane likes to jump off of things. If you Shane, that as wrestling. Shane likes to jump off of things and dance around like he's a boxer. That's That's it. <laughs> And then he gets all red and then he falls down. Um, <laughs> that's that Irish, that's that Irish blood. He can't really help it. You know, yeah. So. There was, but yeah, <laughs> there was some interesting angles going into this match though. Um, just because Shane, who's the WCW owner in this is the face. He's right. He's working baby face in this match. And Vince, who's the owner of the WWF that everybody just paid thousands of dollars to, to come to this massive event is the bad guy right well he is a, he's also a jerk so there's that I guess. he is a dick and i'm not sure how much of his kayfabe at this point it's weird right like he yeah. i mean it's clearly a character and you know he'll he'll talk about oh the mr mcmahon character um but there's also a good there's got to be a good bit of him in there right like they didn't yeah. just pluck these stereotypes or this this image of him as this kind of um overbearing sort of egomaniac they didn't just pluck that out of the air you know that's no that's there's there's some reality there um so mick foley is a special guest referee here yes. because we don't actually really know why except he was in the last wrestlemania uh, match that featured a mcmahon and the rock and the big show that was in uh, 16 and we just watched um but i'm glad that he's here people love to see him i i love to see him um i'll watch again i'll watch him do just about anything 
there was some positives with this match. I know we've been we've been shitting on it some, but I will say <laughs> that they did an amazing job of turning this match into a, a complete circus. Yeah. Um, and while the, there's not much wrestling happening, it's probably the best circus and like ringside antics that we've seen at a WrestleMania since possibly like Macho Man versus Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, where like we had Sherry going crazy on the outside of the ring and Elizabeth causing chaos, just spectacular, like craziness and distractions. Everything's happening. Yeah. They definitely, uh, they definitely caused some chaos here. Um, (laughs) I I made, I made a bunch of notes about there's a girl fight at one point between Stephanie and Trish outside of the ring. There's a point where, they're out by the Spanish announcers table and you can see the Spanish announcers kind of like getting nervous and moving away from yes. the tables. They, they know what's up. They know um, that this was the match. Um, <laughs> this is the one And I had um, noted that this was a terrible idea for a spot um, because you have two non-trained wrestlers right. here setting up for a massive table bump spot. Yeah. And it's very clear that it's a bad idea. And we see why, because Shane misses and slides off the table and hits yeah. the floor at full speed. And I think some of the antics that <laughs> I was just talking about in the circus and like the, the fight and stuff was to hide the fact that Shane probably seriously got hurt on that spot. Yeah. Um, he's down there for a long time. It's several minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it is a long time. Yeah, he slides off that thing like it's made of Teflon and coated with like Vaseline or something. Like I don't yeah. know if I've ever seen uh, anybody like, hit a table like that. I think a Best Actress Award goes to Linda for uh, sitting there in a in a wheelchair looking catatonic while all this goes on. And you know, obviously, watching her, that she's going to stand up at some point. So um, there's uh, Mick protects uh, Linda from Vince at one point and just about gets his head taken off with a chair. I was happy to see Mick become a combatant in this because we had seen a lot of bad punching uh, yeah. through the night, uh, either from China and Ivory, uh, Shane's stupid little jab dance thing, yeah. where he thinks he's uh, Muhammad Ali, I guess he's trying to be or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Mick is just laying haymakers on people, and they look yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, and you, you know, it's it's like you said, it's good that he's there, but it also really kind of yeah contrasts uh, with with the other combatants there. So uh, there's a really good uh, asshole chant for Vince Yeah, uh, near the end. He takes, he picks Linda up out of her chair and kind of rolls her into the ring. Uh, a little bit of quasi domestic violence angle there is making me a little uncomfortable. Um, but he rolls her in the ring, sets up a chair in the corner, sits her down and makes her, makes her watch while he pummels Shane with a trash can. So he gets, he gets two shots on Shane with the yeah. trash can and he goes for the third. And of course, you know, there One stands up. up one of the four old fashioned aluminum trash cans that they keep under the ring for some reason. Yeah. Well, you never know. You never know when you're going to, what you're going to need. I guess um, so at some point, some kid's going to puke and they need them for the sawdust. I, I guess like I elephant know. shit. I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe Vince just uh, doesn't like to use regular bathrooms. You don't know. Doesn't mean Shane then uses one for an extremely impressive spot that is on my Oh shit list of. Yeah making jumping from one corner to the other landing a drop kick in his father's face hitting the trash can that's there coast to coast I believe um, call yeah that. that was when did shane become rob van dam that's basically <laughs> what that scene was and it was yeah, i don't know how he did that uh, luckily he woke up from the table spot to get in the ring and do that just in time um, to knock himself out again so yeah, he probably doesn't great. remember this match at all <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And then at the end of this match, they cut to the uh, WCW guys up in the stands who are, yeah. you know, I think contractually obligated to clap. Um, yeah. Um, so, and I think I, it was interesting too, that, you know, Shane finishes Vince off with that move and gets the, gets the win. And just like that, we have an arena full of WWF fans cheering that WCW won the match. Right. <laughs> just like that WCW doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. Interesting match. Um, Maybe again on the surface, not one that you would think uh, has a lot to offer, but there, there it has a few moments, you know. I, think. I would actually argue that this was probably the best hardcore match of the night. Alrighty. So speaking of hardcore, uh, on to the tables, ladders, and chairs match for the WWF Tag Team Championship. They're calling this one TLC two because at the last WrestleMania number sixteen, uh, the same three teams uh, competed in a in a similar match for the tag team championship. So we've got the party boys, that's boys with a Z, Matt and Jeff versus Edge and Christian versus the Dudley boys, which is also with a Z. Now we've also got some guest spots in this one from Lita, um, who goes with Matt and Jeff, Spike Dudley, who goes with the Dudley boys, and Rhino, who goes with... Rhino was helping Edge and Christian. You know, we've got more high spots, more career-threatening falls, uh, more broken furniture than an outtake of Roadhouse. Yeah, hardcore um, match number three. <laughs> this is how you know it's 2001 in the WWF. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would argue that at this point, ECW is being more influential on WWF than anything WCW did. It, yeah. I mean, it's not like we've seen uh, after the buyout, we didn't see them do any crazy war games matches at WWF or any of those like three ring 60 man battle Royal stuff or bunkhouse stampede matches or anything yeah. like that. Um, I would have even taken a uh, scaffolding fight, you know, you know, so the, so WrestleMania 16, there was some novelty to watching these guys. Um, that, that was our first uh, ladder match since number uh, WrestleMania 10. Um, so it had a, you know, a good six year layoff and, 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 you know, if you're going to watch anybody do this kind of stuff, these are the guys you want to watch, right? Like these are the, these are the ones. Right. Um, so, but I will say, I think some of the novelty has worn off for me a little bit here. Yeah. Um, this felt like them just uh, wheeling these guys back out again to do, yeah. to do it again. Like, like here, go do, go do your show again, guys. Go yeah, do shut it. up and play the hits. I, I found this, ma- I found it rather boring. I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't really enjoy it much. Um, there were co- some, interesting things such as when matt hardy takes off his shirt you can hear all the girls in the crowd enter puberty um uh, i enjoyed sixty-seven thousand people chanting get the tables yeah that was um, fun boy that you can't get much more over than that yeah um the dudley brothers uh were, were so big at this time oh yeah People um, just lost their minds for them every time they came out and it was well deserved they were again they're they're like rough and tough they're kind of they work stiff, you know, they look they look yeah. like they could mess you up. Rhino and Spike added nothing to this match. Yeah. And I thought the ending of it was really cheap with Rhino it, giving Christian a boost to get the belts. Yeah, I would agree. I thought that the uh that the ending was just sort of anticlimactic, honestly. It's like after all this stuff, you know, we had who was it? I guess it was Bubba Ray and Matt. They're on the top of the tallest ladder. They go over the top rope, threw a yeah. bunch of stack tables on the floor knock those two completely out of the action you know there's there's some again some some legitimate spots there's uh, yeah. jeff there was jeff a lot tries, of blood after that one too <laughs> yeah. 
Jeff tries walking across the tops of ladders and you can see this the last one starts to fall over on him. So he kind of like pops off and then jumps up to yeah. grab the the belt he's hanging from him and edge kind of jumps off a ladder and spears in midair a spot which they also did on the last one of these by the right. way right it was the second time um, he tried the the walking across the top of the ladders spot yeah um moving on to the next match which was a gimmick battle royal which i have to say i kind of liked the, the idea of this in one of our yeah. uh bonus posts on the blog we talked about some of the gimmicks from sort of the classic area era of wwf wrestling um so i think the company actually read our blog post went back in time and put together this gimmick battle royal so that they could make us happy. Um, I'll run down the list of participants, and if you have anything to say about them, um, you can can let me know. Um, so the Bushwhackers, Luke and Butch, which I know you have something to say about. I, I I've been licked by them before. <laughs> Are you That's happy? Like Are you happy that yeah. I said it? Thank I got you. licked. Yeah, like Rich, your head, right? The top of your head. Uh, they licked my face. Oh, your face. It was my face. And he got a mouthful of baby powder because I was dressed like Paul Bearer at the time. (laughs) Serves him right. Man, they come over and lick uh, Bobby Heenan. Or was it? They licked Mean Gene, I think. Um, Yeah, I think Mean Gene, yeah. He's Um, got that. Which was amazing to have them ringside for a commentary. Oh, my God. Yeah. It took them a little bit to get warmed up, but then Bobby Heenan just started laying out the zingers like crazy. Man. Bobby Heenan, I miss him so much. Like he was so, like so caustic and so funny. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I've listened to, I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts. Um. And I've heard multiple people talk about he was like straight up the funniest human being that they ever, uh, were around. And that no matter what was going on, he would make like jokes about it that would absolutely leave you rolling. Just had like just the the sharpest, quickest, uh, mind of of anybody that they that they knew. All right, let's run down the rest of these guys. So Luke and Luke and Butch, the Bushwhackers. There's Duke the Dumpster Dross, who was a, a garbage man. We've got Doink the Clown, um, which here um, Wikipedia tells me is Ray Apollo under the makeup, not usually yeah. the usual guy, uh, Matt Osborne. Uh, Nikolai Volkov. There's Tugboat Fred Ottman, a.k.a. Typhoon. I wonder why they went with uh, Tugboat instead of Typhoon for that one, given that Earthquake is there, too. Uh, I think he had been recently just fighting as Tugboat still. Okay. Um, like his last appearance in WWF before he went over to WCW, I think he was Tugboat. Gotcha. We have the goon. There's a hockey gimmick. Uh, that's Wild Bill Irwin. There's Earthquake John Tenta. The gobbledygooker. This is interesting. I looked this up. Under the gobbledygooker costume is Hector Guerrero, uh, son of Gory Guerrero of the great Guerrero wrestling yeah. family and br- brother of Chavo and Eddie. Interesting. Um, so yeah, who knew? Um, Brother Love is here. It's Bruce Pritchard. Um, when he comes out, he and says, "It's the mayor of Houston." That <laughs> <laughs> made me laugh. Uh, there's Michael Hayes, Michael P.S. Hayes, one of the fabulous Freebirds. And there's, it's interesting that he went by Michael Hayes in this when everything prior to this on TV, he's been going by the name of Doc Hendricks. Right. Also, the Freebirds didn't really have much of a WWF. I'm not presence. sure they ever did. Did they ever come over at all? I don't, I don't know yeah. if the fabulous three birds ever, ever were actually in WWF. No, it's we'll one have for to check a, that one. One for our research department. People listening, let us know in the comments. Yeah. Uh, one man gang is here. Who, uh, you know, we covered in one of the. Thank God he's not blog, Akeem anymore. <laughs> one of the blog posts is that he <laughs> was Akeem the African Dream, uh, uh, a white guy doing a very sort of stereotypical quote-unquote African shtick. Uh, One-man gang is a little bit better. 
uh, Kamala is here, speaking of racially insensitive gimmicks, uh, with Harvey Whipple Whippleman and his manager, Kim Chi, who is, you know who's under that mask? No, who's Kim Chi? It's uh, the Brooklyn Brawler. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I love <laughs> I had no Brooklyn idea. Brawler. I had no idea. Jim Cornette, the announcer calls him James E. Cornette, and Heenan says the E is for extra effort. <laughs> um <laughs> The Repo Man is here. It's Barry Darso, formerly yeah. Smash of Demolition. Uh, Hillbilly Jim is here, which which I love. He was always one of my favorites. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter. And, of course, the Iron Sheik, Bubba, the man, the myth, the... Fuck you! <laughs> He's great. So, yeah, so we've got Mean Gene and Bobby the Brain on the, uh, on the announcing. I mean, this whole match kind of takes less time than it takes to get everyone in the ring. Um, yeah, I'm sitting there with my Mr. T cereal and like in my pajamas and <laughs> waiting for the GI Joe commercials. And it was it was definitely like, a blast from the past. Yeah, um, it was. I was very happy to see Doink. You know, I love Doink, and if you've read this, read our previous blog entries, you know that I loved Doink and how he would just irritate the shit out of everybody <laughs> he fought, um, whether it was like pranking. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, which was amazing. All the stuff mm-hmm. with Bam Bam Bigelow. And then that WrestleMania stunt with Crush, where he suddenly there's a second Doink rolls out and they mirror each other in the ring. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Doink was such a brilliant idea. <laughs> and I don't care that like 15 different guys has played Doink and that it's very obvious when you watch them that it's different guys. But uh, Doink was amazing. In some ways, I feel like it's better that there were different guys under the makeup, you know, it's sort of like, yeah. it's the idea of doing not the, not the man that matters. He's, he's like Batman that way. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> one one uh, more, one more zinger from uh, Heenan. So Iron Sheik does yeah. not look great here. Um, you know, he's, he was walking very slowly, very stiffly. And, uh, You're a jabroni actually, for saying that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sheik. Um, but they actually start earthquake down. They start his intro before the Sheik is even all the way down the ramp. And Heenan says, by the time the Iron Sheik gets to the ring, it'll be WrestleMania 38. <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk. So um, good. The whole um, thing's over in less than four minutes. Iron Sheik tosses out Hillbilly Jim. I was excited to see the Iron Sheik win. And like the only other thought that I really had about this was imagine you're like Lance Storm or Hugh Morris, these big time WCW guys that are sitting in the crowd having to watch <laughs> the show and they have to watch the 20 minutes <laughs> of all these washed up guys getting introduced when they could have been working a match themselves in this show. Yeah. Um, it had to be, I mean, I'm probably reading too much into the situation, but it feels like a dig to me. Like the camera showed Lance Storm and Hugh Morris and some of the other guys, and they're just yeah. having to sit there and watch the iron Sheik throw hillbilly gem <laughs> over the top rope. <laughs> um, yeah. And meanwhile, their coworker Earthquake, who was still working over in WCW at this time, was as the Shark. I think he was over there. Oh, right. Is yeah. working this match, and they're having to watch. They're watching him in this match. Just yeah, an interesting uh, choice of programming here for them. It's unfortunate. Penultimate match is the Undertaker versus Triple H. Um, I think the best part of this match is a live performance of Triple H's theme song by. Uh, Lemmy and Motorhead. Agreed. Um, yeah, I don't know what. what I know. So Rich is is a, is a huge Undertaker fan. Um, I am an Undertaker I'm, mark, but not of this era of him. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I understand. 
I understand that everybody, the Undertaker was over with the crowd. I mean, he had to reach to a new generation and stuff, and the biker gimmick was going to get him there better than like his like grave digging, tombstone making like uh, gimmick. And like he's even got a new finisher, probably because at this point, I think WWE has uh, outlawed um, pile drivers of all kinds, though I don't know if it's much better to take a. Yeah. power bomb from seven and a half feet up in the air because the undertaker's last ride is basically he pulls you up and then throws you up over his head and slams you down <laughs> but i preferred the dark the dark side gimmick of the undertaker yeah. every single iteration of the undead version of the undertaker in my opinion is better than the biker slash mma fighter version but yeah i would agree I will say he has a nice motorcycle and that this was, the, <laughs> this was also the time that like all those custom chopper bike reality shows were like right. starting to starting to bubble up on A and E and, and discovery channel and TLC. So maybe the undertaker's craze was a bit of that. And then also we know the undertaker is, is a big old Texan cowboy guy in real life. So he likes his hogs and his guns. So, yeah. I think the best part of this is when uh, Undertaker attacks the ref out of frustration after only gets a, a two count. He just like stomps him out, and Mike Kyoto goes down like a like a bag of rocks and just lays on the um, lays on the mat for like the next I don't know ten minutes. It's yeah, like so was, that makes this match the fourth hardcore match of the night. Yeah, and they immediately take advantage of it, and like it's a good thing that the timekeeper had a sledgehammer ringside. <laughs> um, Thank God. Yeah, and then just like a bunch of time was just wasted of taking of Undertaker dragging Triple H all the way out to the to the scaffold rigging of the hard cam to choke slam him off of it, and it was very clear that that had been choreographed and yeah. gimmicked because he landed in a big thing of like empty cardboard boxes and foam. Yeah, I, I got, mean, I, at first I thought, oh man, and then yeah, and then the, when the camera cuts down to him, you can very clearly see there's some sort of crash pad kind of thing there. yeah i um, mean one one thing to notice about that spot is on one of the earlier wrestlemanias there was a holy shit chant that um we think the peacock or the wwe network had had gone in and scrambled uh, but there's one here that's very clear and i don't maybe yeah. they're just too close to the mics and they couldn't uh yeah couldn't do anything about they'd it they'd have but, to kill all the audio probably yeah but um, we had from that previous month we had thought maybe that we'd hear more of the, the holy shit yeah. chance being kind of drowned out but that was not the case here so um yeah they they fight their way back up to the ring <laughs> mike kyoto is still yeah. out having a nice nap there um so it's nice you know he wakes up just in time to to catch the end of the match which is always good yeah um taker gets color at some point and they did a pretty good job of hiding the blading um but most of the action going through the crowd resulted in me watching the crowd more than the match yeah um <laughs> So I, I spotted a guy that had a fake NWA slash WCW belt and was on his cell phone during the match. Um, <laughs> nice. So I, I assumed he was calling Jim Crockett promotions to set up a defense against Ric Flair. There was a guy in the front row that had a disposable camera. And <laughs> all I could think of was like, it was a good thing he swung into Rite Aid on his way to preserve <laughs> his memories of the WrestleMania that he just spent $5,000 to, yeah. to see. Um, good thing he got that five dollar disposable camera. Yeah, no, totally. Great, great color finish on those photos. Yeah, maybe, maybe the guy with the cell phone was uh, Eric Bischoff. Do we, oh. do we know for sure? Oh, it could have been. It could have been. Yeah. I love the Undertaker, and I found this match just like, ugh, 
Like I've never, I mean, I've never understood how Triple H got the nickname, the cerebral assassin. I don't think he's clever. I don't think he's a very good worker. I don't, I don't know. You know, that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. You know, I don't, I, mean, I don't hate on the guy. Like, he, you know, he's fine, but like, he, he just, he, he never really does anything for me. And I think, you know, the Undertaker really needs somebody that can sort of, that, that can play off of. You know, I mean, that's the stuff with with Kane was, uh, you know, some of the greatest stuff. And even yeah. even working with somebody like Bret Hart, um, where you know you've got a like a real clash of styles. You know, that that they make work. Um, or the Undertaker Yokozuna stuff was amazing. Yeah. Too amazing stuff but th- yeah this this didn't do anything for me i was a little bit bored honestly um i did get a kick out of um once undertaker gets busted open um triple h it goes right after the cut uh that was that was pretty cool to see yeah um and then of course he picks up uh undertaker picks up triple h off the turnbuckle for the, the last ride the power bomb and then the pin that makes Undertaker nine and zero at WrestleManias um, at this point, and Jr. was shouting about that. So uh, it's clear that the WWF is is paying attention to that at this point. You know, we noticed early on that they don't really talk about it in the early WrestleManias. It, I don't know. It took like five or six of them before somebody said, "Oh yeah, by the way, this guy's never lost at a WrestleMania." So yeah, and it's kind of interesting that like the streak is totally accidental. All right, are we ready to get to this main event? Let's do it. We've got the rock. Oh yeah. We we have a ten minute setup video. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of the you know, story. I, I didn't even take notes on that because I, I I tuned out. I mean, yeah, because it's nothing but beer know. drinking and finishers. Yeah. It doesn't have a story to it whatsoever. Well, so the one one note I did take is something involves um Mr. McMahon naming Austin's wife Deborah as the rock's manager. Yeah. Um, and that is, you know, that's not good. People don't like that sort of thing. Uh, I had to look it up and, uh, you know, they actually were married. Um, yep. She's Steve's third wife for the record, 2000 to 2003. Uh, he's been on wife number four since 2009. So, so hang in there, guys. We're, we're rooting for you this time. You and can do it. Should, this is a no disqualification match for the WWF championship. So one way or another, they're going to settle this feud. Um, so, so this is the fifth hardcore match. <laughs> fifth hardcore match. All right, where do you want to start with these guys? Stone Cold's run is just amazing that like he's yeah. now main eventing against The Rock and it feels like eons ago that he was the Bret Hart versus uh Stone Cold match. Yeah. You yeah, know? that was what four WrestleManias ago, right? Which is Right. which is a long time, you know. Like we, we... to stay to stay that relevant for that long in WWF yeah. at this time. It's it's impressive. Yeah, I mean, again, these these are two of my absolute favorites. Um, I like probably Stone Cold a little bit more than I like The Rock, but I, yeah. you know, I think they're both brilliant in terms of their ring work and in terms of selling their characters and their stories. I mean, they get into it right away, which you would expect, um, you know, given the heat that they have built up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they cut out to the uh, ringside, and the Spanish announcers are sitting behind the smash table from the last match. They didn't even yeah. set up a new table for them. They don't I mean, need it. That's that's just. It's not even fair. It's rude. It's rude, it's but rude. I mean, maybe maybe even a little bit racist. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and these guys start bleeding all over the place pretty much right away. The Rock is is heel in this match technically, um, yeah. but he is ridiculously popular. And Austin is in his home state and working face, and so like the crowd is this ape shit through the <laughs> through this match. Like they're just they can't handle it. Like yeah. you can hear their heads exploding. 
And I would have felt the same way, honestly. I still feel the same way about you know, watching these two go against each other. I, I'm just rooting for both of them to do well, you know? Yeah. Um, so a friend of mine watches with me. And he, he's somebody who doesn't watch a lot of wrestling. We watched on New Year's Eve after after a bunch of drinks. And he said, uh, I haven't seen that much blood since Nam. Um, yeah, it's so, rough. It's <laughs> really bloody. It's a lot it's a really of blood. One. So uh, let's see what else. I, I love hearing JR call an Austin match. Yeah. I know that Austin was one of his discoveries and one of his buddies, and he was a big supporter and pushing Steve Austin. Um, and so, you know, he, he, I mean, JR is, is always great on the mic, but I feel like he gives Austin just like that little extra push, you know, when, when he's calling his matches. That yeah. I there's really some love. sort of chemistry between those two. And it's really weird that there's chemistry between an announcer and a wrestler. You don't right. get that a lot, but there's, there's something about JR calling stone cold and like, like there's something there's something like kismet about the the yeah. character that jr is and stone cold's character and how they mesh together just it's, pers- it's personal it almost seems yeah. personal you know yeah um, yeah and i think that's great there's um you know lots of lots of lots of things to see here i mean austin shoots the double birds or the single birds yeah. to the rock like i don't know 400 times well i mean um, it deserves it he's an asshole <laughs> <laughs> they swap they swap sharpshooters back and forth a bunch of times both yeah. guys get their uh you know bloody face and like pushing up from the canvas in the sharpshooter uh move just like again austin did in his match versus bret hart yeah there's um, all kinds of storytelling and callbacks in this match that are just amazing to experience i did feel like that there was a spot that had to be skipped because the announcer table collapsed under the oh. rock's weight <laughs> um and so they I feel like they couldn't do something there. And so they kind of had to uh, move on to something else. I had also, the rock gets booed like crazy in this match at one point. Yeah. And I don't, I don't recall like ever hearing the rock get that much heat ever. Yeah. Like he's always been working kind of closer to the heel side uh, for most of his WWF run that he was popular. And, but there was a lot of like, Man, if I were the Rock, I'd I'd hurry to the car after this match. <laughs> kind of heat coming at him. Yeah, I think that's what's interesting actually about these guys together is that they both are sort of playing that kind of anti-hero. Yeah, thing, you know, because Austin Austin is over and he and he's like the babyface, but he never acts like a babyface. He acts like an asshole, you know. Like right. Uh, so there's one there's he's, a moment here where um, Rock goes for the rope break, um, but this is since it's a no DQ match, uh, you know, the ref tries to break. Uh, break the hole, but Austin just gives him the finger and then yeah. st- stomps on the rock a little bit more. Um, that's, that's a total heel move, right? Like, right. And that, that was the magic of stone cold though, was that yeah. he was the anti-hero. He's the right. anti-face like guy. Like he's just, he's the punisher, right? He's always, you relate to him because he's the hard working guy and his boss is always beating him down. Right. Um, but he's also a bad employee, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you don't the care. Job. He's like, I feel like that guy. That's how I feel. I'm stone cold. Stone cold's awesome. Yeah. Um, so much amazing storytelling though. Like I said, with um, uh, stone cold lands, the million dollar dream on the rock, like uh-huh. calling way back to his days of being the million dollar champ and working for uh, Ted DiBiase being yeah. like, his protege. When he was um, the ringmaster. Right when he was the ringmaster. And so you want to talk about the uh, the finish of this one? It's got um, a, it's got a bunch of layers. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, my first issue is that this is the start of the super superhuman era 
of, yeah. of WWF where they where the fighters need to take like five or six finishers to be defeated by the other person. Um, it kind of like makes the Stone Cold Stunner not so devastating or like the rock bottom not as... Yeah. I mean, well, the rock bottom and the people's elbow kind of two of the weakest uh, finishers in the business, but the rock well, sure dropped, made them he, look flashy, you know? Yeah, well, he runs back and forth before he drops the elbow and that makes it extra strong. Yeah, yeah I mean, every, it's, it's... Everybody knows that. I mean, it's shadows of Hogan and the leg drop. And, yeah. And then it progresses to the rock's elbow and then to John Cena's fist. Yeah. Um, five knuckle <laughs> shuffle thing. I did like uh, Austin catching the rock with the rock bottom. I love when a guy uses oh, uses the person's finisher against him. That 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 gets yeah. me every time. Um, Austin goes for the stunner, but gets pushed into the ref. So poor old uh, Earl Hebner takes a dive out of the ring. Um, Austin tells Vince to get him a chair, and Austin Austin does. Um, Austin pulls up the rock, and then McMahon smacks the rock with the chair. Um, and there's you know there's oh, some shenanigans. <laughs> my god there's some there's some shenanigans more chair shots stone cold keeps trying to pin the rock but he just can't get him he just can't get him he, he keeps getting the chair shots and goes to work on him uh and finally after i don't know how many chair shots on the rock sternum and back uh he's finally able to get the get the pin so um you know it's clear that that austin and mcmahon are working together here which you know is not a earth good, shattering earth it's, shattering not a good sign it is JR a, says, for the love of God, tell me this is not happening. I remember watching this as that broke college student at a friend's house and being like, oh, my God, like <laughs> Austin, Austin and Mr. McMahon. What? I can't believe it. This is this is insane. This is craziness. And, yeah. you know, and that is the moment that the Attitude Era ends like yeah. that. That's it. Um, yep. Austin is now working for the boss and working for the man shake hands and toast with a couple of Budweiser's. Um, uh, but, I, uh, I remember watching it and like, even this time on this rewatch waiting, like, come on, Austin has to stun her and on the way yeah. down the ramp or back to gorilla and stunt. He has to turn on him at some point and he just doesn't, they just walk arm and, <laughs> it was a truly shocking ending, I have to say. You know, we we, we watch a lot of wrestling. But we're we've gotten pretty good at predicting where things are going to go, even kind of knowing what happens here. I, it's still shocking, twenty years removed. Um, so I mean, kudos to them for, uh, you know, really out of left up. field, <laughs> out of left field finish, uh, shocked the crowd, really, you know, kicked the kicked the storylines in the tail. Um, you know, you got another easily another year's worth of raw material out of. Uh, out of that kind of heel turn. Right. So, and we have and a then, WrestleMania ending with a heel victory and like, oof. and a, and a major heel turn and just a total new direction for everything. It's kind of dark. Like it's kind yeah. of, um, it's kind of a, uh, you know, like a taxi driver kind of, uh, kind of moment, right? Like it's not a feel good ending. No. So, no. so what was your uh, best match with this one, Rich? Uh, yeah, I think you I know, know uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to mark out for Benoit versus Angle. Um, yeah. One, the match had rules. Yeah. Which it was a <laughs> wrestling match. Um, we got to see a real, like, real shoot wrestling happening uh, before your very eyes. Um, I think this is this is one of those great WrestleMania matches that no one talks about anymore. That no one really talks about because it's overshadowed by Stone Cold and The Rock. Yeah, this was this was my pick as well. I think you know it's it's tempting to go with that main event, 
which is obviously the big draw and the one that everybody thinks about. Um, it's got a lot of blood. It's got two of my all-time favorite wrestlers, the Rockets, Stone Cold, plus that heel turn. Um, but, you know, that the no DQ rule um, makes it veer a little too close to hard hardcore territory for me. And it and it just lasts too damn long. That's that's the other rough thing about it. Um, but, you know, this Benoit versus Angle one, Angle one is a real sleeper. Um, it's the kind of wrestling that really appeals to me. It's uh, smart. It's technical. They're focused on telling a compelling story. You know, there's two elite athletes who are evenly matched for absolute specimens uh, i've already watched this one twice actually i watched it twice all the way through and i'm i'm planning to watch it again so the mean, worst match uh worst match uh for me was actually raven versus kane versus big show in the hardcore championship match i know like the china ivory squash match is is easy pickings but i think that was intentional to be like that yeah um and i think they did a good enough job of compelling of telling the story that China is a dominant force and is going to be held to reckon with as for Raven versus Kane versus big show, uh, big show had no business in the match. It would have been better if it had just been Kane versus Raven. And like, I've always been hard on big show, but I don't think this was the type of match for him. It just, it just, it just missed the mark for me completely. Yeah. I can't disagree with any of that. Um, it's bad wrestling. I find it boring personally. Uh, and it just tries my patience. And on top of all that, this one is longer than the other two matches that I would consider to be the bad ones, uh, longer than those two combined. So if you add up the times of uh, China versus Ivory and the, the gimmick battle royal, they're still shorter than this one, which is nine and a half minutes long, which, again, it's it's too damn long. Nobody nobody needs to watch any of that. All right. So uh, one of the other things we've been doing on the blog is a favorite oh shit moment. Uh, my oh shit moment was how hard this uh, WrestleMania is on the refs. Uh, we have uh, oh, yes. <laughs> three separate ref bumps here. Angle Benoit, Undertaker, Triple H, and Stone Cold and The Rock all bump their refs. And poor Mike Kyoto has to play possum for like, I don't know, 10 damn minutes in the in the ring. So that's that's my collective uh, oh shit moment is the is the the yeah the discussion that the refs union is is going to have with, uh, with yeah. the company after this um so i i mean i felt like there was a lot of options with this show undertaker's choke slam of triple h off the scaffold or iron Sheik winning the battle royal but the one that really really made me say oh shit um and it's and this is going to catch you off guard is probably stone cold busting out the million dollar dream yeah um and i think it's because the ma- that match was telling stories and the history of these two fighters through their moves. Um, and the million dollar dream was telling such a story for stone cold that he was so desperate to beat the rock that he leaned back on when he was like working with Ted DiBiase and like going back before he was the stone cold that we knew and loved at this point back when he had hair and like, <laughs> you know, and it was like, that was really, really a deep dive for them. And I really enjoyed that. And that made me like literally say, Oh shit. When he, when he slapped that on the rock and how well he executed it as well. It looked, it looked like a million bucks. Um, that yeah. fun is intended. Ooh. All right. So the other thing that we like to point out is the sign alert. Uh, so, um, probably my favorite one is the sign that said, my colon hurts. Um, <laughs> that one, I don't know if he had the, the Astrodome nachos or, or, yeah. or if he came in with a pre-existing condition, but that one, that one got me. And then there was a couple, uh, borderline offensive signs that I yeah. also enjoyed. I was like, Eddie Guerrero mows my lawn. 
and the other one that said 37th member of the Guerrero family. Um, <laughs> there, there's a that lot. One, that one actually made me chuckle because I was like, yeah, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of Guerreros, yeah. Um, I mean, he's in the turkey custom. We, we just found that out. Right? Yeah, so. I know. So there's at least two Guerreros on the card of this <laughs> WrestleMania. Um, and then there was a really nerdy one that, that was like an early internet meme of all your base are belong to us. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, there was another sign that said Vince should buy Texas. Um, <laughs> well, thanks for thanks for catching those. I, I, uh, I'll do better next next time. Uh, and on our blog post, we always end by paying tribute to the people featured who are no longer with us. Uh, we think it's important to remember that, you know, for as much fun as wrestling can be, it's also a tough business. And the people involved in it put some serious wear and tear on their physical and mental health. Um, so rest in peace uh, to some really amazing talents. Eddie Guerrero, Andrew Tess Martin, Chris Benoit, uh, Chris's wife and child, Nancy and Daniel Benoit, Joni, China Lauer, Earthquake John Tenta, Nikolai Volkov, James Kamala Harris, Ian Lemmy Kilmister from Motorhead. All right, so let's wrap this thing up and uh, take it on home, as they say. Um, so overall, well, what do you think? What uh, What's your fi- closing thoughts on this final rating? Um, I disagree with Stone Cold that this is the best WrestleMania. Probably put this one at like a probably around a three. And what's dragging what's dragging this one are two big things: five matches without rules. <laughs> if you would have cut the gimmick battle royal. Um, had the Dudleys, Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys as the only hardcore match on the on yeah. the card, um, then I think this one could have been way up there. This is the best WrestleMania out of the Attitude Era. Um, yeah, I this think is probably. So but I still, I think it's still around a three and a half. Yeah, I gave I gave it a three and a half as well, and I I think I would have given it a three if it hadn't been for that Angle Benoit match. I think that that bumped it up a whole half star. Um, and so it runs really, really, really long. Uh, and it feels really long and draggy. Um, there's some interminable public relations crap with the military, the fan fest, the restaurant, like all that stuff that it just, it drags it way out. The announcing is great on this one. You know, I, I'm, I'm all in favor of, uh, of JR whenever he's on the, on the mic, uh, even and Paul Heyman actually was pretty good here too. I didn't mind. Yeah, him at all. I actually like kind of did not miss the King screaming yeah. for puppies the entire time. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Paul Heyman actually was was pretty good. Um, right, way too much hardcore, no rules stuff. There's a few like genuine bad matches here. There's a few that are just sort of disposable, um, and then there's there's quite a few that are actually pretty good. So thanks very much for uh, for joining us on this. Um, yeah. This first podcast edition of, of All the WrestleManias. Again, you can find the blog at allthewrestlemanias.wordpress.com. Drop us a line, shoot us an email, um, leave a comment on the blog. You have, you have thoughts, you have questions, you have stuff you want us to talk about for future episodes. And we're uh, Rich and Tim, and uh, saying thanks for joining us. 